0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. Dear friends of Christ, last Sunday we had Transfiguration Sunday and we saw the Savior glow in the brilliance of his divine majesty. It was an exciting day. And then, on Wednesday, we journeyed, it was Ash Wednesday, we journeyed to the depths of our soul, in the depths of repentance. And today, we change gears again. And today, we talk about temptation, and where we see Jesus in the wilderness as he does battle with with the devil. So, last Sunday was inspiration. Wednesday was repentance, and today is temptation. Do you remember what happened to Jesus just before he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days? I mentioned it earlier, but he'd just been baptized. Right? The Holy Spirit had descended on him, and he had been proclaimed by his heavenly Father to uh, be the one that God is pleased with. And Jesus leaves the refreshing waters of the Jordan River to go into the desert wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. And during that time, he had nothing to eat. That's a long time to go without food. 40 days. Can you imagine the depths of his hunger? It was in that weakened physical state that the devil comes calling. You see, listen, We underestimate the devil. We do it all the time. We think the devil's kind of a dummy. I want you to imagine what the devil looks like in your mind. Put an image of the devil there. What do you see? A little red guy with horns and a pitchfork. Pretty terrifying, right? Bottom line is, we don't know what the devil looks like. And because we don't know what he looks like, we don't deem him to be very real, maybe kind of like God. Because we don't know what God the Father looks like either. And then because we can't put an image on him that is very terrifying, we underestimate him. We do it all the time. But give give the devil his due, he's shrewd. He knows how to tempt you. He knows exactly when to show up to get you to stumble. He attacked Jesus in his weakness and you can bet the devil is watching your life and he's going to attack you when you're weak too. He knows when you're weak. He knows when you're stumbling. He knows how to make you stumble. And he tempts you at the most opportune times. And so let's consider our theme for this morning. How do you deal with the devil? Well, let's start with this fact, the devil's no dummy. And he knows a whole lot about you. He, Matter of fact, he knows more about you than you probably remember about yourself. But he's not God. I mean, he can't read your mind. He doesn't know all things. He's not all powerful like God. He can't control all things like God. He's not that powerful, but, but he is powerful. And he observes your life. And he keeps a record of it. He keeps information on you. And he knows how to use that information to serve his purposes. Timing is everything when it comes to dealing with the devil. And he sits around and he waits for the right moment when you're the weakest to tempt your heart and to tempt your mind. Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. And here Luke just gives us three of all the many temptations that the devil threw at Jesus. First, the temptation of desire. If you are the Son of God, turn this stone to bread. You know, Jesus was delirious with hunger. I mean, how many of you have gone through the pain, uh, the agony of a 40-day fast without food? I would assume none of us. Because to do so, you would be delirious with hunger. Your appetite would be so huge, your desire for food would be off the charts. Some appetites are good. For example, you might have an appetite to go to church. You might have an appetite to pray. You might have an appetite to do some random act of kindness for somebody. Some appetites are basic. You have have an appetite for companionship, need for people. You have an appetite for fun or for knowledge or, or for pleasure. Some appetites are good. But those very same appetites can also be bad when they turn into a desire Because an appetite turned into a desire controls you. And the devil knows how to control you. Take, for example, the uh, just normal human appetites that the devil turns around to cause controlling addictions. For example, think about alcohol. Right? A little bit of wine is not bad. A desire to drink wine every single day turns into alcoholism and drug addiction. And whether what, are, what kind of every abuse it might be, whatever form that abuse is, any type of abuse becomes an idol. Why? Because that becomes more important than God. We des- we desire that abuse, that thing that we're abuse that we abuse. We desire we have a greater desire for it than we have for Jesus. Think about how Satan controls your appetite for more. Think about maybe gambling, placing a bet you're at the, you're at the casino you want to place another bet or or think about maybe. Uh, you know, for those of you who struggle with pornography, or think about the the high of a drug or the buzz of alcohol, taking that next drink. Think about the that flirtatious affair that happens so innocently in the in the in the office, just at the right moment, just at the right time, right when you're the weakest. He waits until you can't control your desire anymore. And then he attacks you. He comes to you. And he tempts you to sin. How do you deal with the devil? That's tough. But Jesus tells us we can. And that's what you as a Christian need to know. We are not powerless. Jesus wasn't powerless. You say, well, he's God. Yes, but he was also human every bit like you. And Jesus recognized Satan as the enemy. That's the first thing we must do. The devil's there. The devil's powerful. The devil's an enemy. He doesn't want you worshiping God. He wants you to fall away from God. And Satan tried to pry Jesus away from his heavenly Father by using his voracious appetite to prey upon him. And though Jesus' desire for food was at its apex, Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus quoted the Old Testament. He quoted the Bible. See, Jesus doesn't use his own power to deal with the devil. And we think we can do that too. You know what? I'm just, going to, I'm just going to dig in and I'm going to defeat the devil. I'm going to defeat this temptation in me. I'm going to defeat this desire in me that controls me. I'm just going to stop. And we, we look for some kind of inner strength. It comes from God's Word. Even Jesus used God's Word, the power of God's Word, to deal with the devil. It's a lesson for us. It's the same Word that you have, the same Word that we have before us. The Bible is our weapon. And you open it up every day, and you study it, and you learn it, because you know you need to deal with the devil, right? And that's why you're so diligent opening up that Scripture. Martin Luther says in our first hymn, one little word can fell him, but you can't fell him if you don't know what the word is. But that's a problem, isn't it? We don't know God's word well enough. And if we don't know God's word, we can't use it as a weapon to deal with him. To that end, we're not a whole lot different than Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When the devil came to tempt them to eat the forbidden fruit and to fall into sin, they chose to listen to Satan's words instead of God's word. Because of that, Satan won. And Satan's still winning hearts today. Didn't win against Jesus, though. And the next, the devil took Jesus to a high place. Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in just a moment. How he did that, we don't know, but again, Satan's powerful. This is the temptation of power. If you worship me, the devil says, I'll give it all to you. It'll all be yours. It's an intriguing temptation, even for us today. Can you imagine Jesus leading all the nations of the world? Surely that wouldn't be a bad thing. A one-world government, a one-world religion? Peace on earth? The end of poverty and sickness and disease and suffering and oppression and crime and terrorism? A utopia, really, kind of like a heaven on earth? You could think of worse things. And all this without Jesus needing to shed an ounce of his holy blood. Sounds like a good option. But how did Jesus deal with the devil? How did Jesus refuse Satan's deal? Again, drawing upon the word of God, the power of the word of God, Jesus said, worship the Lord your God and him alone. Listen. Being a world leader wouldn't have saved your soul from hell. You still would have died and then you'd be lost for all eternity. Being a world leader wouldn't have saved anybody. Jesus came to be a savior, not a world leader. And while that might have been appealing to bring peace on earth... Jesus knew what he had to do if he was going to be king of kings, if everybody was going to bow down and worship him. He had to first be enthroned on the cross. To die and rise again, to defeat the devil, to defeat sin and death. Jesus knew what he had to do. And the final temptation, the testing of God's word. Let's test God's Word to see if it's true. The temptation, this temptation. Did you know the devil opened up his Bible? Do you know the devil does that? And not only did the devil open up his Bible, apparently the devil knows the Bible pretty well. The devil knows the Bible better than you know the Bible. And he uses it to serve his purposes. He twists it to accomplish what he wants, and that's what he does here with Jesus. Satan told Jesus, You are the Son of God, right? And you know God's Word. You've been quoting it. It's holy. It's inspired. It's inerrant. It's never wrong, right? And you know you're aware of Psalm 91, correct? That part that says that God has angels, and the angels are always watching over you. You also know that it says that those angels will catch you if you fall. You won't even stub a toe. What do you say? What do you say we test your faith? Let's put God's word to the test. Let's see if God's word's faithful. Because he made a promise. He has to fulfill it. Why don't you jump off? Jump off the temple and let's see what happens. You know, Satan tempts us to do that too. To put God's Word to the test, to challenge God's Word. And we, when we challenge God's Word, it means we're, we're contradicting God's Word. We're questioning God's Word. We're questioning whether it's true or not. We do it all the time. And questioning God's Word, doubting God's Word, is a refusal of Him, to trust in Him. It's a, it's a refusal to believe in Him. Testing God's Word is, is faithlessness. We test God's Word when we, are, when we make God's Word say what we want it to say so that we can justify our behavior or our actions. You may know gossip's wrong, but as long as it's not hurting anybody, as long as the words are worded in a loving, kind, even maybe even speaking the truth, uh, we assume it's Okay. Or maybe sex outside of marriage. Whatever kind of form that sex may be. It's got to be okay. I mean, after all, I'm doing it. And so we change God's Word to be able to accomplish what we want to do. We call God's Word into question. We test God's Word. And we let Satan work in our minds and reason like the devil would have us reason. And we say, listen, We all have natural desires. It's just being human. It's just what everybody does. We all do it. Those desires aren't sinful. They're just human. I can't help myself. And besides, God's the one who gave me these sexual desires anyway. He made me a sexual being. It's not my fault. And besides, everyone's doing it. We changed God's Word to fit our lifestyle what lifestyle have you chosen to live? Or we say, you know what, Sunday's a day. I need to sleep in. It's the only day I get to sleep in. And besides, I really know all I need to know about God anyway. You know, I hear that. I hear people say, I already know all I need to know about God anyway. You think that's the truth? Do you know all you need to know? What does God's word say? Should we test it? How did Jesus deal with the devil? Well, he quoted the Bible, "You shall not put the Lord your God to the test." Jesus didn't listen to any of Satan's lies, wouldn't have anything to do with the devil. God gives us the Word of God, and Jesus used the Word of God to defeat the devil. And if it was powerful enough to work for Jesus, it's powerful enough to work for you. And it's powerful enough to work for me, to overcome our temptations. But in order to have the power to overcome things, we have to be able to use it. We certainly have to be able to know it. Paul says that God's word is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So take God at his word. Don't let Satan tempt you to fall into sin. Don't let Satan lead you away from Jesus or lead you away from your salvation and lead you away from eternal life. Listen, I I know the topic about temptation is a discouraging topic. Because we've all been in the battle fighting temptation, battle against the devil and adversity, and we haven't done so well. We failed. Temptation seems to be a battle we can't win. However, just because we don't always ignore or emerge victorious over the temptation, it doesn't mean we aren't victorious. The good news for today is Jesus' victory over the devil is your victory. He dealt with the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. Now, that's not to say the devil's now powerless and can't do anything to destroy you, or to that the devil can't lead you away from God by tempting you not to worship or to, by tempting you into a sin. Well, the devil's still powerful, and he can lead you away from salvation so that you never make it home to the promised land. However, he is defeated. He has no power over you as long as you stand in the blood of Christ. The devil has no power. Jesus is your substitute. And so he submits his perfect record against the devil and he gives it to you, and you win. As a child of God, you always win. As you cling to Jesus and cling to His Word, Satan has no power over you. You need to know that. Live in that victory. That's why Paul wrote, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So understand that. You stand in Jesus. Jesus stands in you. And you have His honor. You have His strength. You have his merit. You have his his victory. You have his presence. You have his word. You have his forgiveness. It's all been awarded to you. It's all been given to you. His record is your record. So, his death and resurrection, by his death and resurrection, you are now redeemed as one by Christ. In your holy baptism, the water was splashed on you. And now as a child of God, He empowers you to be able to survive daily against against sin and temptation. That's what baptism is about, right? A daily drowning of that old sinful Adam so that we can rise to a newness of life. A daily drowning of all those temptations so that I can rise to a newness of life. And He equips me with the water of baptism to do that battle the daily battles against temptation and and to win. But even when I don't win, in Christ I win. And Paul wants us all to know this. He writes, God who faithfully keeps his promises will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist the devil. But when you are tempted, he'll also give you the ability to endure the temptation as a way of escape. As we journey through Lent, we need to remember that. We can't escape temptation. We just choose not to. Remember what Jesus has done for you. He chose not to listen, He chose not to be tempted and the devil now enables you to stand up against the devil's devil's schemes. The Lord Jesus is in your corner, and his grace has you covered, and his victory is yours. Amen. Now with the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and the life everlasting. Amen.